What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This time we are 100% British, but absolutely still 100% Giants as usual. Uh, Kev's busy working, but Shane's back to join me and Craig to continue our deep dive into each position. As this week we focus on the big men in the trenches, Shane's favourite subject. It's the offensive line, or the start of the offensive line anyway. More specifically, the interior. So we'll be talking guards and we'll be talking Talking, we'll be talking centres. That's how we do. Yeah, I'm all right, I suppose. I, I think I missed the wrong episode to me, so I should have come on last week and just been this one off because um, I'll get to talk about this wonderful position for the next hour. Yeah, we know you love it, really. I mean, at, at least there's at least there's a rookie to talk about, and maybe you know a bit more optimism than, than usual. So, I mean, optimism and shame doesn't really go well together, but you know. <laughs> it's not all doom and gloom it could be worse we could be two years ago and have the worst offensive line in football but we don't so yeah you know what matters is we're here we're talking all things giants and that's what we do best right uh, we will talk all things o-line in a moment exactly we will talk all things o-line in a minute um but before we do, as usual, we're going to kick things off this week with the latest news. Um, not really much has happened this week, to be fair. It's the that sort of mid-season lull, between, mid-off-season lull between mini-camps and training camp. So it's just all really sort of talk and it's not much else going on. Players off on holiday doing their own thing, hopefully not getting injured or blowing their hands off. Um, retired running back Tiki Barber was asked this week on his uh, radio show if you know, what if Saquon sits out the season? Um, and although it seems unlikely to ever happen, um, I think for his uh, opinion shocked some people. Um, I think most analysis, analysis and most an- analysts um, believe that if Barkley was to sit out the season, the, uh, the Giants would kind of fall off a cliff a little bit. But, you know, Tiki Barber thinks otherwise. He obviously doesn't think that Barkley is uh, as in- as integral to the team as uh, as most fans do. But he said uh, he knows Giants fans want Barkley on the team and feel they need Saquon on the team. But the fact is, if he isn't on the team, he doesn't know if we'd actually be worse off or not. So you kind of you kind of hear that from a, a Giants legend, and you think, how would we not be worse off? Um, he then followed up with a couple of sort of hypotheticals, um, saying that they'd be because of the locker room um, and you can't say that for a fact um, but then he thought that the the game that the team could win 10 games without Barkley um, or this team won't win 10 games without Barkley should I say so you know who knows but could the Giants live with a running back by committee sort of approach or do you think having Barkley on the team and having his explosiveness is critical to the success of the Giants in 2023. Shame. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of get where he's coming from. I, I, I think we're a better team with Barkley. Of course, we are. I, I don't know how anybody can say that we wouldn't be a better team without Barkley. But if we didn't have him, I still think we'd be competitive enough. The only downside I can see is... You, you then rely heavily on a rookie in Eric Gray, who I'm a massive fan of, but you don't want to get leading on a rookie too early on. Um, and then, like, Matt Brader and Gary Brightwell, who are like, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. You can get by with them, I suppose, is what it is. Them, them three backs you can get by with. But, um, yeah, you know, look, I think if we didn't have Barclay, we'd still be competitive. Would we get 10 wins? Eight, maybe I could I could make an argument for, but without a doubt, we are a better team with Barkley. 
I think I think all you need to kind of look into is, and it's a, it's a long old time ago now, but week one, when we needed that two-point conversion, or didn't need a two-point conversion, but we went for the two-point conversion, that play blew up. I don't think if you have Gray or Brightwell or Breeder in that situation, we make that two-point conversion and we've thrown the game away. I think that's the little difference, isn't it, is that a running back by committee can work. Yes, there might be the odd explosive play, but I think if you're going running back by committee, you're looking at getting short yardage. And then you look at Barkley. Barkley is an explosive runner. He's your big yardage kind of guy who can get the small yards as well if necessary. I think I think you just lose that kind of surprise play element when you're looking at a running back by committee. You, you, every time that you, they've got the ball, you're not expecting, oh, this could go for a touchdown. Oh, this could go for 60 yards. You're just expecting, yeah, we might get the first down here and then they might get swallowed. I think that's the big difference. Could we win games? You know, could we win 10 games? Yeah, probably. By I reckon we could by running back by committee, I think. The, the run game will be much improved um, with some of the players that we're obviously going to look at later. I, I do think that we'll see improvements in the running game, but Barkley, Barkley's much more than than just that running back too. He's He's got that leadership quality and a bit more in the locker room. I think that is what you'll miss. That's what you'll miss massively by going running back by committee. Yeah, and let's not forget Barkley's and absolute weapon so to have him on the field for dan jones to you know throw the ball to him hand the ball off to him for him to make a play you know he's got he's more likely to make a play or to make something out of nothing than breeder brightwell and i mean eric gray's an unknown entity i suppose at the moment but than those three combined um he's got that you know x factor he's got he's got that just something else to his game that it leaves him to be unpredictable. You don't know which way he's going to cut. You don't know, you know, whether he's going to go through the middle or around the outside of the line. You don't know whether he's going to come out of the backfield and and um, make a play sort of, you know, 10, 15, 20 yards plus downfield. He's got that ability, whereas I don't think the others do. So I think without a doubt, without him on the team, we are a weaker squad. I still think we could do we you know we could win games with with that sort of committee of running backs, uh, and I think we could, you know, be successful. But I don't think we could be as successful without Barkley. I think he's an integral part of this offense, and like you said, Craig, he's huge in the locker room, um, and yeah, I, I I dread to think if uh, if twenty six isn't on the on the on the field come week one because. You know, the, the playbook will be drastically different. Craig, did you want to add something? No, just nodding along. Oh, know, I, thought, I, thought, I thought you, you looked like you are about to say something. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> um, moving on anyway, the team announced this week that training camp will again be open for fans to attend as well, uh, which is quite cool. A little bit jealous, not going to lie. Uh, nine dates kick off on July the 26th uh, with the last workout for fans to be able to attend being on the 5th of August. Uh, featuring meet and greets with Big Blue Legends, current player autograph sessions. Um, and there's also things like daily giveaways. Um, admission is free, completely free, uh, which makes me even more jealous. And tickets are available from mid-July both season ticket and general mission uh, and also um, the yearly giants fan fest again making me super jealous was announced for the uh, 24th of august again admission to that is completely free so we're booking up flights for uh august lads we're going to go over in august so it tells me now then there's going to be a better time to go i mean yeah. <laughs> Just a just a quick just a quick trip over in August is fine. Just for a couple of days. It's interesting though because one of the things that we kept hearing uh, for the London games, especially from a lot of the Americans, uh, don't if you remember this, Dan, but a lot of the Americans were like, "Man, they never do anything like this for us." And 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 there was a lot of that kind of chatter that 
the Giants just weren't as fan orientated as they needed to be. So it's nice to see them starting to kind of make that turn round. And yeah, they made a big deal of it because obviously we were in London and it made sense to 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 do it because they're not over well, they've been over three times. So I was going to say they're not over often, but I don't think I can say that technically. Um but it's it's nice for to see that they're, you know, trying to connect with the fans over in America as much as they, they try and like make a big fuss of us whenever they come over here. Yeah, I think maybe, maybe because it's a, it is a yearly thing, and it's kind of that's you know that's kind of maybe all they get. They don't necessarily get anything sort of during the season, like we did, you know, like because it was a what what we had in London was a I suppose technically a one off, so they wanted to sort of make a big deal of it. But yeah, no, they they clearly do lots of the fans, and what they're doing is free. You know, you can rock up. You don't have to don't have to buy a ticket just. Order one and rock up to training camp and what and sit there all day. You know, it sounds like a pretty good day to me. And it's free. So get out and do it if you can, because I'm mega jealous. Mega jealous. So um, I'm just going to quickly cut in because we um, we tend to do the little birthday thing on here whenever it's someone's birthday uh, or even if they're producing, they just throw it in themselves and give themselves a pat on the back. I don't know who does that. Um, but um, anyway, there there is a, a comment from um, in the in the YouTube bit from one of our biggest fans who just happens to be my dad, um, and I just wanted to throw it up for you, Dan, just as a a little uh, happy oh, anniversary oh, for you both. So evening, Darren. Thanks very much. <laughs> I just that. thought that was a, a bit different. Thanks, Aaron. Um, yeah, eighteen years today. Me and my other half, Kate, have been together. So. And she's absolutely delighted that you're here with me and Shane, right? Absolutely. She couldn't think of it. She couldn't think of anything better for me to do, right, love? Where else would you rather be? Oh, what's... <laughs> there we go. There we go. It's Wednesday night. It's podcast night. Sorry. Dedication to the cause. No, I mean it's it's not our wedding anniversary. Our wedding anniversary is until September, but yeah, eighteen years ago today, we uh, we got together and. I haven't looked back since. So yeah, happy anniversary, darling. Hope you're uh, relaxing in the in the bedroom and watching some TV and having a nice chilled evening. And enjoying listening to the pod. I mean, it'd be great if she had it on, but <laughs> I, I highly, highly doubt it. <laughs> highly doubt it. She wouldn't have a clue what we're talking about. But no, thanks for that, Darren. I really appreciate that. All right, before we do, move, right, let's move on. Um, on that note. Now, last week, Kev was in his element talking about all things tight ends. Um, this week, Shane gets to be just as excited. <laughs> you'll never live that down, Shane. You'll never you'll never live it down. Uh, as we get to dive into all things offensive line. And like I said at the beginning, we're going to talk centres and guards because they're the, the big guys in the middle. Um, so who better to kick off, kick us off talking about the depth we have at left guard than the man himself, Shane. So over to you, mate. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Who have we got first? I've been looking forward to this episode all week so much. <laughs> light up, um, light up. <laughs> yeah, so first we've got uh, Ben Bredesen. Um, 2022, we took over the starting left guard uh, position after Shane Lemieux got injured um, as he suffered a season-ending turf toe and sprained foot. Um, to begin the season, he was sharing it with uh, rookie Josh Zudu, who we'll talk about in a little while. Um, however, then Bredesen suffered a sprain near and had to sit out six games. Um, Zudu, Jack Anderson and Nick Gates all kind of filled in, in that role. Obviously, Nick Gates is no longer with us. Um, but by the time we returned from injury, Zudu had then been placed on IR, which could tend to be a uh, common theme with our rookies ending up on injury reserve. Um, and Gates was kind of more a rotational player who was mainly used at centre. Um, 2022 stats, he allowed 12 pressures, 10 orries, two hits allowed, gave up zero sacks and three penalties were given up as well. Um, you know, I've got to be honest, I think I think Bredesen, in all honesty, surprised me last season. Um, I think when we acquired him from Baltimore, uh, I wasn't really fussed in all honesty if we kept him or not. Like he didn't, re especially his pass blocking. His pass blocking in 2021 was horrendous. I've just had a look. 
Um, and his pass block grade on PFF was a 22.7 in 2021. And he elevated that up to 53.8 this past season, which 53.8 still ain't a great number. But when he, it was previously 22.7, you know, he, he, he did make, make, um, make the um, right adjustments and he, he did improve, especially when you look at another guard that we'll talk about later on and what their stats they gave up, etc. Um, so I've got to be honest, I was quite impressed with Bredesen at times last season. I think he played um, a key role in, in some of our plays that we have. I think there was one particular one, I think we spoke about last year, in the Washington game, where him and uh, I think it was Gates were rotating in. But when Bredesen coming out, run blocking just seemed to be so much better than when Gates was there. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I'm happy to, to see. And obviously he's got a little bit of that guard centre versatility as well. Um, but hopefully we'll mainly see him at guard. Yeah, I think I think we probably will mainly see him at guard. To be fair, and it's nice. It's like you say, it's nice to have that stability. And it was just a shame he got um, injured for it last. You know, all of our most of our offensive line last season had injury issues, um, and it was just a, a shame to see him injured because his stats do sort of stand out amongst the uh, the rest of the offensive line. So, yeah, it's, it, he's a uh, he's definitely a piece on that line that I think will give us that sort of stability moving forward if he can stay injury free. All right, next up, one of the members of uh, the 2022 rookie class that, unfortunately, suffered some uh, some nasty injuries throughout the season. Uh, in his rookie season for the Giants, uh, Josh Azudu uh, struggled to maintain that sort of consistency that we you know, were kind of looking for as a pass blocker. He had limited opportunities in the first six, seven weeks. Um, but when Bredesen got injured in week seven, um, he got his opportunity. And in that uh, week eight, Matchup against Seattle, he had a career high forty pass, uh, forty pass blocking snaps, um, but he allowed six pressures, including two hits and a sack. So he didn't have a great first out in. Um, but despite performing better in the following weeks against Houston and Detroit, um, his season was cut short due to that neck injury, which kept him out for the rest of the year. Um, and moving forward into this year, expectations for him. Um, obviously, the left guard position is still sort of up for grabs amongst Azudu. Uh, Bredesen and who Craig's going to come on to in a minute. Um, but given Azudu's age, obviously he's in his sophomore year, um, his potential and the competition he's facing, uh, it's reasonable really to sort of assume that he's might be sort of one of the favourites for that starting job alongside Bredesen, I think. Um, but do you think we see that sort of jump from rookie year to sophomore year in, in Azudu um, that allows him to jump ahead of Bredesen in the depth chart, Craig? I mean, he, he's got the opportunity there, hasn't he? Um, he showed glimpses of it last year. And let's be honest, if there's one sort of area that we've always struggled in that always seems to be up for grabs, apart from, you know, a couple of anchors on the line now, players that we hope will be anchors for years to come, I think left guard is going to be the, the sort of the wide open um, opportunity for, for anyone to really take it. Uh Izudu is obviously a big part of that. And with it being a sophomore year, he's probably likely to take a jump. You always see a lot of players. I mean, it's something that, that Kev kind of alluded to last last week and, and Shane's alluded to it before as well, is that you get someone like, you're not going to get a source gardener every year who can come in and, and just do it. Or, you know, someone like a Jamar Chase. Players will always improve in their second year once they're used to the... The, the speed and the competitiveness and um, and all the nuances that come with playing in the NFL versus college football. So there's, you know, he's, he's got as good a chance as any this year to really step up. Um, and it'll be interesting. I think him versus Bredesen could be one of the standout battles that we see in training camp, because let's be honest, there aren't going to be many of them across the board. No, there won't be. Um, I mean, let's not forget this guy's he's still 23 years old. Um, he'll be 24 when this well turns 24 just after the season starts, so he's still young, uh, and he's still got a lot to learn. Um, coming from North Carolina in the fifth in the third round last year, you know, he's he was always going to be that sort of developmental piece. Yeah, obviously, going in the third round, he's on the higher end of the some some talent that was on the up for grabs last year, but you know, he is still you know, if he was if he was 
you know, um, the finished article, he would have gone in round one. He, he went in round three, so he wasn't the finished article. There's still something about him that needed development. And I think, hopefully, we see that development coming this year. What do you reckon, Shane? Do you reckon he'll develop enough to jump ahead of Bredesen? Um, I really hope he does. He's one of them guys that, like, um, you, you want him to do well. Like, even when we drafted him last year and you heard him talk, and obviously he's got that um, speech impairment, like he's got a little bit of a stutter and that. And it kind of makes you, like, want to root for him even more because he's overcoming adversity. And you need to overcome adversity to be successful in the, in this league. So whether that adversity is having a speech impediment or whether the adversity is having a poor rookie season, because he, he didn't have a great rookie season, but... You know, I, I always maintain O-line is one of the hardest positions to come into the into the NFL and play. There's not many rookies that light it up. We've got one of the best left tackles in the league right now, if not the best. How did his rookie season go? Not great. So, you know, you have to allow this kind of growth and development. Like you say, he's 23 years old. I mean, I'm not going to discuss what I was doing at 23 years old, but I certainly weren't trying to learn complex NFL systems. I didn't even watch the sport back then. Um, so, you know, I, I do genuinely hope he, he, he can take it from Bredesen. Um, and if not, just, you know, that old saying, iron sharpens iron and they make each other better. And if the Giants decide to continue with that rotational um, left guard like they did last year, you know, we we, we as fans and the, the, the team's coaches and Daniel Jones and their, their teammates should be thinking, you know, something, it's one in one out, but we can't tell the difference. They're both as good as each other. So we're quite comfortable with that rotation. Yeah, man. And I think, you know, Bredesen, he's got, what, a couple of years more experience than, than Azudu, but not much. He, he's only 25 himself. So it's it's not like he's setting the world alight. It's He's developed more and he's been more consistent. And Bredesen was a fourth round pick back in 2020. So, you know, it goes, it's, we're hopeful, hopeful, very hopeful that um, Josh Azudu can sort of start to develop and and put those sort of that year of experience um, into play, and, and hopefully you can have a good camp as well. Because it's you know first first camp as a as a veteran, I suppose, rather than a rookie. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, Craig, over to that last piece we have uh, on the depth chart, left guard. Yeah, so uh, White Davis is is probably the oh, potentially the outsider, but more than likely the odd man out in that in that left guard battle. Um, twenty twenty two season was uh, one of a journeyman, I think. Um, played for three different teams in, in twenty twenty two. Um, was at the Cardinals, started one game, was then waived. Uh, the Saints then picked him up. He played one game. He was waived. We picked him up. And uh, guess what? You played in one game, uh, the regular season finale against the Eagles. So, you know, three teams, three games, one year is um, not exactly what you want as a as a player. It doesn't doesn't exactly hold you in good stead. I, I imagine it's quite difficult as well because that's three different schemes that you're trying to trying to learn. Um, you know, as as I've said, the Gi- the Giants are transitioning to a new centre. Spoilers, um, but we'll come on to that in a minute. But the team will aim to get continuity from their first team offensive line and Davies will likely be given the opportunity to, to try and make an impression in preseason games and joint practices but there's a surplus of players that are vying for limited roster spots and you know it's realistic to envision him just not making that cut when cut down day comes unless there are injuries or we've got a few issues on that line um there's a, there's a few other players on this list who have more versatility than he does as well. Um, and that's always going to count against anybody, I think, because one thing the regime has has kind of shown is that they do like a bit of versatility, as we will discuss with multiple other other players when we start looking at the um, defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and interestingly enough, Wyatt Davis, he was a third-round pick in 2021. Um, out of Ohio State. So it can go one or two ways with third round picks, really, can't it? They can succeed and do really well, or they can bounce around teams and and have not great luck. So, you know, it, it, in all honesty, it probably will turn out that he'll end up on either practice squad or completely off the team. But he might have a really good camp as well. There's obviously the, 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 the team, the coaches in, in the front office obviously see something in him. And you know the the Vikings obviously saw something in him when they drafted him, what 
two years ago. So, yeah, remains to be seen with White, White Davis, but who knows? White, White Davis is a, an interesting one. Um, I just want to jump in on here, sorry. I, I, I don't want to get to speak for him 100%, but I'm just, Kev's in a similar mindset to me that I wanted the Giants to draft White Davis. Like, I was a, I was a big White Davis guy uh, going into that draft. And, like, you know, I mean, you looked at his stats. He was... Um, he was named to the Big Ten Network's second team all-decade team for the 2010s. He won the Remington Pace Offensive Lineman of the Year in 2020. Um, and he was a two-time first-team all-Big Ten player in 2019 and 2020. So there's a player in there. What's happened since he's been drafted? I don't know. Maybe he's not got the um, application to succeed like we've seen with... Uh, it was the... Uh, Offensive lineman that we signed, who was a former first rounder. He went to Tennessee, went to Miami, then we picked him up and we dropped him. It was last year, I think, or the year before. He was a first rounder, and he, he's got absolutely awful application. Like he's he's known for like partying all, all the time and that. So I don't know if it's maybe something like that, but there was there was certainly a player in there when he was at college uh, at Ohio State. So you know, hopefully we can try and get some out of that. But Craig, he's probably like on the back end of the depth chart at the minute. But you know, hopefully, um, we, we can get back that college player that we had. I mean, you say you say what's happened to him. I mean, he was at the Cardinals. Maybe he's too tall for Kyler Murray to look over, and they decided that they uh, they weren't going to go <laughs> go that way. <laughs> you never know. You never know because how how tall is he? He's uh, he's a big boy, isn't he? Six four. So yeah. Maybe he was too tall for Kyler Murray to see over. Five foot um, two, Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah Wilson, that's the Titans player I was on about from Georgia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, he must, something must have kind of happened for him to have bounced around four different teams in the space of two years. So, what's not gone right for him? What's not happened? Um, for him to be able, to be able to lock down, you know, a, a, a starting position at a left guard on on an offensive line in the NFL, you know, something's not quite married up. So, and you know, it's it's cool that you you said like you were you were high on him and you wanted to draft him, Shane. So he's obviously got talent. He's obviously got potential. It's just not happened for him yet. So it's quite cool to have him on the team and see what he can do during camp, really. All right then. So Shane, back to you. Kicking off our right guards. Who we got? Yeah. So first up, we've got uh, Mark Lewinsky. Um, he was brought in last year as a free agent over from the Colts. Um, he had some challenges, let's say, in pass blocking uh, during that first season. He gave up five sacks, which tied his highest sack total in a season. That was previously back in 2016. Um, he also had struggles in other stats contributing to receiving a 63.3 overall grade on PFF, which was his lowest grade since 2019. Obviously, he did have to make the um, adjustments as he's joined a new team with a different offensive system and scheme, which could have impacted his performance. But um, when I looked at these numbers earlier on, they were a lot worse than I thought they was, I'll be honest. Um, 37 pressures, 27 hurries, gave up five hits, five sacks and three penalties. Now, with Glewinski, he we couldn't get rid of him this season. We, we gave him a contract last year, and I kind of want to compare his signing. To, for me, I'll compare the signing of Glewinski to the signing of Nate Solder a couple of years ago, where it was, we needed to add a player at the position. He's not the greatest, but he's better than nothing. Now, some people might disagree with that on Nate Solder, and that's a completely different conversation, but that's what it was like with Glewinski. We needed a right guard. We, we needed a guard, I should say. Um, and it was just a case of he was probably the, the best of a bad bunch in free agency, and that's why he ended up getting the contract. Um, I don't know what his full contract hit is, but I know that it basically means we can't really cut him this season, but I think next year that is where we've got the the out that we can use. Um, so, you know, he's expected to keep the right guard position for the 2023 season. Um, and, like you know, hopefully, as I say, second year in the system now, so he's going to be a little bit more... Um, used to what's expected of him and we should hopefully see a better player than we did last year because I'll be honest I think I know like Kevin Neal gets slated and that but Glowinski for me was the worst offensive lineman last year Agreed 
he was that weak, really weak link uh, on that line. Um, and he had a really, really disappointing 2022. Considering he was the, the sort of the veteran, you know, he was in his 30s on the line. All the rest of the line were sort of in their 20s. Um, it was, uh, apart from Nick Gates, but it was disappointing to see him have a really poor season. Um, but how disappointed were you with his struggles last year? And do we really see an improvement going into 2023? I mean, there's got to be. There's, there's no other way to put it. There's got to be. Um, Lewinsky was our big splash last year. You know, let's remember that Joe Shane inherited just carnage when it came to the salary cap situation from Gettleman and, you know, had to pretty much turn chicken shit into chicken salad. And there wasn't a lot that he, he could have done. He, Glowinski was that big splash and he just didn't live up to it. Um, you know, Kenny Golladay was the big splash the year before. It seems like two years in a row, hopefully the third will kind of break our duck with, I guess you, you, you consider Waller being the big splash. But um, as Shane was just alluding to, you know, we couldn't cut him this year. Um, so I, I've gone on to over the cap because they're normally pretty pretty accurate on stuff like this. Um, his his cap hit for for this season is um, eight point three million. Uh, dead money eight point six. We would have uh, had to have paid, you know, minus three thousand in cap saving. So it, it's it's just not viable. The reason he has to improve this year is if he wants to get an extension. He will have one year left next year. His cap number will be 7.2 million, but we can make 5.7 million savings by cutting him. So, you know, 1.5 million and our cap number is only going to go up and we're going to get more free money next year. He's a cap casualty before the season's even started. I think that's fair to say. And if he continues that way, I think there's a high percentage chance that one of the other sort of bright guards could potentially, you know, jump in. And we wave bye-bye. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it makes makes absolute sense to uh to see him through 2023 and hope for an improvement because if we don't get that improvement, he's gonna be off the team quicker than you can imagine. Um, because it doesn't make any sense to keep him. Um, we're not going to extend him if he has a poor season like he did last year. Um, and if he, if he does start out poorly and, and does, again, sort of play re- sort of really disappointingly, then he's going to be, you know, taken off that, out of that starting role um, and someone else put in. And one of those potential uh, options is another member of the 2022 rookie class in Marcus McKethan. Um he selected in the fifth round last year and was always seen as that sort of developmental prospect for the offensive line. Um, but he, again, was fell foul to injury um, in pre-season and tore his ACL, which ended his rookie year before it even begun. Um, do we expect much from McKethan this year? No, because it, he is really going, the, theoretically, going into his his first season as a giant and let's just hope and pray that he doesn't get injured in in training camp again um but if he's made significant progress um in his development and has fully recovered from his injury if glowinski struggles we he, we could easily see him given the opportunities um to get playing time and you know play mistake for that place at right guard so you know it, it might it might look you know, difficult for for Glowinski, but you know his poor play could lead to another opportunity being given to uh, McKethan and, and him being able to shine. Hopefully, so I think Glowinski really needs to prove himself. But I think McKethan's got a great opportunity um, to really sort of develop and potentially take over from Glowinski if he has a if Glowinski has a poor one. Um, yeah, Marcus McKethan. What do you what what did you think of McKethan when we drafted him last year, Shane? Um because obviously we didn't really see anything from him last year because of his injury. But when we picked him up, I know we sort of spoke about him last year after the draft, but what did you make what did you sort of get from that pick and what did you make of him? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really know much about him. In all honesty, when he was drafted, I was a bit more familiar with Azuda than McKeffin. I just knew McKeffin went to the same kind of college. Um, part of it, I was, one, I, was, I was thinking, okay, they're just trying to keep sort of, you know, they like what they got in Azudu. I've seen glimpses of something of Kevin. Both went to college together, just keep a little bit of chemistry going, etc. But I know from um, a couple of other podcasts I listened to that apparently the Giants quite liked what McKethan was showing um, last year prior to his injury, which sort of gives you a little bit of hope for the coming coming season. Um, and I've got to be honest with you, I, I don't think McKethan, if he'd have been fully fit, would have done much worse than Glowinski did last year. Like, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather... See McKethan as a rookie struggle, but improve himself than watch Glowinski, who I'm thinking, well, you're only here for two years. We all know you're here for two years, like Craig said, it's going to happen. So, you know, I've been wrong before, i.e. Daniel Jones, but I'd be surprised if Glowinski is on this team in, in, in the 12 months' time. Um, hopefully he's not, because McKethan's got on the field and produced and, and shown why he should be, be relied on. And, and you know, the, this is, I know what I say about the old lawyer, and we're going to talk about another position in a bit and in future. But if you look at what we could potentially have at all five positions, if Azudu and McKethan can, can ball out and Evan Neal takes that next step, it's hard not to get, like, not excited because it's O-line and no one gets excited about O-line. But it's one of them where it makes you think the, these guys, they're going to, protect Daniel and they're going to create the holes for Saquon and it makes you think okay it's the one position that I'd probably say as a Giants fan has been horrendous since I've been following the team like it's absolutely dreadful since since I've been since I've been a fan I wouldn't say there's any old line probably the only old line player that I loved was his first season Will Hernandez outside of that it's been like yeah we've got nobody even worth discussing you play the Giants on Madden and straight away you're like okay I've got to upgrade the old line Craig, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know too much about McKethan. I don't follow the college game as, as much, but um, with what Kevin and what what Shane have said, um, you know, there's there's a player there, and I've I've read the same things, you know, living on Twitter like I do. I've read the same things that Shane's saying that he's heard. You know, the the Giants are high on him, and there's obviously something there that they they like, so. Let's let's see. I mean, the other, the, you know, the person he's up against, uh, who's potentially RG, uh, you know, right guard three could potentially be two. I mean, the two of them are probably interchangeable. Um, is Jack Anderson? I mean, he suited up for twelve games last season, playing bit part roles on either special teams or the O line, but he did get you know two starts that resulted in higher than normal workload from what he was getting. One was the week twelve loss against Detroit, where he played at left guard. And the other was uh, the week 18 nothing game against Philly where he played at right guard. Um, you know, like I said, it's a smaller sample size than what we probably get with Glowinski and a lot of the others. Um, but he, he had six pressures allowed, three of them hurries, two hits, one sack, gave up two penalties. Um, and, you know, during the 2022 season, he had the opportunity to make to make those two starts for the Giants at two different positions, which gives him that versatility we were talking about. You know, he served as a rotational offensive lineman, occasionally lined up as a tight end in jumbo packages. You know, he, he kind of did it all. Um, it's expected that his role in 2023 might be the same, but that that versatility is what potentially sees him get a roster spot over certain other players who potentially will only be able to play that one spot. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I think it's between the two of them, they're interchangeable to, to a degree. It'll be interesting to see if um, either of them step up at backup. Because, like we said, Glowinski could be on borrowed time here. And it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we if we said like, let's let's let him see this season out. Um, let's let him sort of play. Yeah, even if even if sort of we do rotate. Um, Glowinski, McKethan, and even Jack Anderson. You know, let's rotate them out. You know, not have that sort of lockdown starter at right guard. Um, because you look at the rest of the line, and you look at their ages. Andrew Thomas, left tackle, twenty-four. Izudu, left guard, twenty-four. John Michael Schmidt, centre, twenty-four. 
Um, McEthan is 20, will be 25, uh, no, will be 24 when the season starts. And then Evan Neal, 22, probably 23 when the season, yeah, 23 when the season starts. So that is a young, exciting offensive line that we have potentially there. What's not to like about that? You know, let Glowinski be that sort of the veteran on the line and sort of be a bit of a bit of a leader, maybe, um, and pull, you know, keep you know keep the rest of them around him while they develop, and then come the end of 2023, end of this season, Glowinski's gone because, in all honesty, are we going to give him a new contract even if he plays well? Because offensive linemen command big money. And if we sign him to a new deal, it's going to be decent money. You know, because that's, that's what it'll take to sign him. We're going to, we'll, we'll save plenty of money by cutting him. So it, it it makes sense to cut him at the end of this year, regardless of whether he's played well or not. And then have those five young, exciting pieces on the line that four, you know, four of them still on their rookie deals. Andrew Thomas being the outstanding one there being that sort of veteran leader on the line. And we've potentially got an offensive line in place for the next five years. You know, if McKethan doesn't work out, we can look at another option at, um, at right guard. If Azudu doesn't work out, we can work at another option at left guard. But we've got those two bookends in that centre that potentially have so much talent. You know, Neil is still, an, un, you know, as a, a sort of... We haven't seen anywhere near whatever Neil can do. And the, the potential that he has, yeah, you know, rookie year wasn't great, but like you said earlier, Shane, Andrew Thomas's rookie year wasn't great. So, you know, there's there's exciting times ahead for this offensive line. I think Glowinski is 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 there for this season, but is this season only? And I think moving forward into 2024, he's not going to be there, and we're going to have one of, if not the youngest offensive line, in the league, and that's quite exciting because. What you need to see from an offensive line is youth and it's longevity. And there's potentially five players that could make you know, claim their stake on that line and make that sort of that line their own for the next five, six, seven, eight, even longer. You know, but obviously, when it comes to re-signing some of these players, then again, offensive linemen command big money, so it might mean paying them big money. But then you don't mind paying them big money if they're protecting the quarterback and they're creating those holes for the run back to run through. So, you know, it's, it's, it's looking good. Anyway, we've already talked at length about him during the draft. Um, but Shane, John Michael Schmitz, let's go there. Yeah. So John Michael Schmitz, um, obviously drafted him in the second round of this, this year's draft. Uh, he took advantage of the extra year of eligibility, um, granted to college athletes as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, which now seems a different lifetime, in all honesty. Um, he showcased his abilities being a mauler in both the passing and the run game. Uh, 302 pass-blocking snaps, he allowed just two sacks and eight pressures. Uh, two sacks were the only ones he surrendered throughout his college career uh, and were in his final uh, college game. His complete stats in 2022 at Minnesota was eight pressures allowed, five hurries, one hit, two sacks and three penalties given up. Um, you know, we've not had a stable centre since Sean O'Hara left in 2010 and we haven't had a player start two seasons in a row in the, posi in the position since Western Richburg in 2015-2016. Um, so, as long as nothing goes drastically wrong, I'm not going to get jinxing anything all being well, but just Smith should be our centre one, not just for this coming season, but for the next few seasons, and hopefully, you know, kind of get that stability that the uh, the Giants require at the position. And I know that there's not just going to be me; it's going to be interested to see um, what snap option he goes for as the preseason begins and into the season, if that gets changed for any reason at all. Yeah, I think if we've sort of discussed his snap style briefly, haven't we? Um, but, I mean, I I can't remember the details of it, but what's the difference of his snap style compared to a, a, a normal centre? Someone fill me in. 
I believe it's just a normal centre. I think it's literally just a case of laces or or the nose down, is it or something like that? It's, it's the dead snap, and I can't think what the I think he does the dead snap, but the conventional that one is not is the one he doesn't do. I think it's literally just a case yeah. of what one way has the laces up, and then the dead snap is the nose on the ground, which is the one I think that he does. Um well, I was who was that? I was listening to something the other day and um, Bobby Johnson had been talking and he was saying, I think as the as you start to get more players coming into the NFL, he, he Bobby Johnson thinks you're going to see more of a switch to this dead snap from centres over the coming years and in future rookie years. Um, but, you know, I mean, I know Daniel said that he's not too fussed about it and I've got to be honest, I'm not really going to give a toss if, if as long as there's no major issues. If, if, if JMS likes doing it, Daniel likes it, what does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really matter. I mean, as long as what we don't start seeing is mistakes happening um, at the snap, you know, loose, you know, snaps flying over the, the quarterback's head, a la sort of Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, you know, we don't want to see that sort of thing happening. But it doesn't really make any difference if if Joe, if Joe is happy with it, then why change it? You know, why mix what there's you know, I'm sure they're gonna have plenty of time over the course of the next you know, two months to uh to get that sort of nailed down and, and for it not to be an issue. And I'm sure it's probably not an issue already anyway. Um but it's a sort of similar question to what I asked last last week about expectations. Um but do you think our expectations of um John Michael Schmitz need to be tempered slightly? Um do you think we're sort of expecting too much of him? Or do you think he's gonna excel pretty much straight away, Craig. I think I mentioned it like literally uh, 10 minutes ago. Uh, not every player is going to come in and be Jamar Chase or Source Gardner. It just doesn't happen. We've already discussed that O-line is probably one of the hardest positions to transition from. Um, he's a rookie. He's trying, as we've just mentioned, uh, a snapping technique that's not seen very often in the NFL. The list goes on. Um, I think when it comes to JMS... The expectation shouldn't be high, um, and I, I'm not knocking this, and um, you know I'm not joining Shane on the uh, O-line bandwagon here. But he's a centre; it's not a sexy position. Let's be honest. Is it a key position? Absolutely. You're snapping the ball to the quarterback, and you're blocking him at the same time. You're opening up running lanes. It's a you know it is an important position, but it's not sexy. And I don't think that anybody's going to go in there and go, "Cool, you know what? I can't wait to see JMS block someone," or "I can't wait for him to." You know, Daniel Jones's hands up against his ass and, and put the ball into his hands. It's, it's no one's no one's excited for that. Nobody mm. is. People are excited to see big runs and big catches, and big hits, and he he doesn't get to do any of them. If I see JMS catch a ball this season, something's gone wrong. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> or, or we're going to get big man touchdown alert. That's you know, it, t I don't think we need to temper expectations because. There aren't expectations when you when you're looking at a rookie on the O line. Very true, Shane. Any expectations? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I just want to welcome Craig to the O line hating family. Glad to have another person on board. <laughs> um, but no, I always, I always say, and this is something I've maintained since I started watching the NFL when I didn't really know what I was on about, and sometimes that might still be the case. But for me, an offensive lineman, if I don't mention their name, they've done their job. Because if I'm not mentioning the name, it means nothing's gone wrong. If I'm watching replays and I've seen balls snapped incorrectly or a player running right when the, the D-line's coming at him from the left and he's just completely ignored him, like you usually get on Madden plays and that bullshit, um, then, yes, yeah, something's some gone wrong and that's when you'll you'll be mentioning it. But the, the biggest complaint offensive lineman is that you don't mention their name. Yeah, I mean, it it will be nice to uh, for him to come in and just just do what he does and go go about go about his his game and not to not create headlines to not stand out for any wrong reason just be just be a centre in the NFL for the New York Giants. Um, you know, don't we've had issues on the line in the past, but. Hopefully now we have a bit of consistency where we don't talk about them. 
you know, it's like you said, the least the less you say about them, the better. You know, they're not they're not a they're not a skill player. They're, they're not gonna they're they're not there to make plays. They're there to, no. to do a job and protect the quarterback. So um JC Hassan now. Um an interesting one. I think we he's he's I don't know. After he sort of had that pectoral injury at the end of 2021, um, and he's been sort of a perennial backup, primarily contributing on special teams, received limited playing time. Um, I mean, his role sort of on the offense remained minimal, especially his role on special teams, his contribution on special teams were quite significant. So maybe he'll. Uh, He'll be on that on special teams again. Um, expectations going into the season. Before the draft, he was our only sort of true centre. Um, considering the sort of need for depth at that position, his potential might mean he sneaks in. However, they might sort of look to keep uh, Bredesen as the backup centre as well due to his versatility. So, you know, JC Hasnow. He might, he, we might see him in the 53 come the end of uh, training camp. We might not. Um, you know, uh, to be perfectly honest, I saw nothing of him last year apart from being on special teams, or that I can remember anyway. Um, but I think, you know, special teams obviously is, is, is a, a crucial part of the game. But I think this year, with the new um, fair catch rules and things like that as well. I think there won't be so much impetus on special teams. It mainly just be that sort of um, field goal, field goal, and sort of point after sort of game that we look at, rather than sort of the, the sort of punt return, kick return um, things, because they're not really going to come into into play too much. So, yeah, JC Hassan, JC Hassanawa. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Um, Craig, last but not least. Yeah, just before that, I just want to throw up Steve's uh, little question from uh, YouTube. Shane, is Madden the reason you can't be dealing with (laughs) O-lines? I've mentioned Madden too many times tonight. Yes. Are we on sponsorship? (laughs) Well, I mean, if... If, uh, if EA want to uh, throw us some money, they're more than welcome to. We'll uh, mention Madden every week if they want to. I mean, like, no, I know a lot of teams that draft O-Line. Well, people who play Madden and draft O-Line, oh, man. <laughs> or you can play a video game, you're going to draft the unsexy position you can get. Like, what a complete waste. Just turn your game off. Reset. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, man. Right. Um, sorry, Dad. Even, even uh, Steve Hoden. I, I will go into the um, yeah, the, the probably the the biggest enigma from um, this group of players. So Shane Lemieux, so the twenty five year old had a challenging twenty twenty two season. Missed the first nine games due to toe surgery uh, he underwent during the preseason. He was activated for a week eleven game against the Lions and then re injured the toe. Uh, so that was the end of that. Um, no, Lemieux and the Giants are, are in an interesting position. And like I said, he is going to be a bit of an enigma. He's no longer a rookie. He can't be classified as a rookie anymore. He's been with us for too long. But he hasn't completed a full season. So he doesn't have the experience to be called a veteran. It's hard to evalu- evaluate his potential because it's stop, start, stop, start, and then balance it with the risk that associate with his injury history. You know... What what's going to happen with Shane Lemieux? I mean, it's a very good question. Maybe we should coin a new term for it—a vetty, a mix between a veteran and a rookie. But you make it—you make a very very. <laughs> it does sound pretty bad, doesn't? Oh, I'm a vetty. Um, <laughs> you make a good point. Like he's not completed his full season. He's not been the greatest when he has played. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of forget he's there sometimes, to be perfectly honest with you. 
And it's only when somebody mentioned him, I go, oh, yeah, Shane Lemieux. But, yeah, we've, we've still got him on the depth chart. Yeah. Shane? Shane Lemieux? What do you reckon? You forget about him too? No, I, I remember him because he's a shit. <laughs> like, literally, he put up a 16.9 pass block in his rookie season. I know it's a rookie season, but, gee, 16.9. <laughs> You've got to be bad. Like, you know, he's, an, he's another one who's like... He's an, he's an okay run blocker. He's not great. He's okay. You know, he's, he's that kind of like physical, nasty, and I mean that in a complimentary way, um, kind of player. But his pass blocking's horrendous. Like, I'd rather have Glowinski in there 100% any day of the week. Like, 16.9 pass block is shocking. Like, he played again. We played Cleveland in week 15. He put up a zero for pass block. How would you put up a zero? You've just got to block someone. Like, oh, I don't understand. Oh, I've never you've got past me, damn it. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Snapping the ball? There you go, mate. Like, I don't understand how you can get a zero. Um, you know, yeah, he's been unlucky with his injuries. The only saving grace I'll probably say to him is, and I don't know if he's just saying it because he's trying to be nice, but I've heard Bobby Johnson big up quite a lot, said he knew him. Um, from Oregon when he was at the at the Bills and he was he was a guy that he kind of had an eye on. Um to blog say whether he genuinely means that. If he does, Bobby, 16.9. Explain I that, Bobby. New, I smell yeah? a new t-shirt coming on for Shane. It's 16.9. <laughs> 16.9. Such 16. stone cold, not, not not quite as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lemieux 16.9 <laughs> yeah no, I mean I mean how do you that's a very it's a very good question how do you explain a zero a zero pass blocking grade I, I didn't think that was possible to get a, a zero like great to be graded a zero in pass blocking you you might as well not be there surely if you um, if you still got it up on screen yeah how many snaps um, twenty-one. How? Like, How? Like one or two. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say four. Nah. <laughs> no, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty-one pass blocks. How many? How many? How many total offensive snaps do we play that game? Do you know? Nah. I, Just out of curiosity. I could probably no. find out. I don't know how, how quick I'd find out. Yeah. That's right. 20, 21. Yeah, 20, 21 pass blocks. 21. He, he, he took is, 299 pass blocking snaps and got a 16.9. Essentially, he was the blocking equivalency of a, of a revolving door then. Just in and out. Honestly, I mean, the guy, weighs, the guy weighs 310 pounds. How are you, how are you not even like... I don't get that. I'll tell you what, when he's cut, he's not coming on this podcast. Was he on the field? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I feel I feel sorry for you, Shane, having to share the same name as him if he if he blocks that badly. I mean but, but, I think, okay, he's twenty six years older than me. All right, so at the end of uh, at the end of training camp. How uh, how likely is it that he's uh, actually going to be part of this roster? He won't. If he's part of this roster, then we we need to sort some out. We need to start a petition, just change or whatever the website's called. <laughs> we, we need to get him off. Change dot org. <laughs> yeah, change. We'll we'll get we'll get the petition. I don't know if America have got some, but we'll get that. I'm, I'm not having someone who got a zero pass block on twenty one snaps on the team. That ain't happening. Been off Shane Lemieux petition. <laughs> yeah, I love that. What a way! To, what a way to end it. I, love that. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, look, I, I spoke mean, highly of all the other offensive linemen. I couldn't keep it in for much longer. This is true. This is true. I mean, there there had to be that had to be an exception, didn't there? And uh, and Shane Lemieux is definitely that exception. I think, yeah, just I've never rated the guy. Oh, 
And, and he gave up a penalty in that game as well. Just to add insult oh, well, to injury. Even better. Even better. Even better. But the the frustrating thing is well, obviously he was a what he was a fifth round draft pick, wasn't he? What three years ago? Yeah. So that's Ray really good. Well well done, Dave Gettleman. Good choice. Good choice. All right, and last question to round out. Um, out of you know, on paper, um, is it fair to say that guards are probably our weakest point on the uh, on the offensive line? I think it depends how they're doing all that today. Because because I think look, look we're, we're going to in more detail. If I look at the depth beyond the tackles, that's more of a concern. But I, I, I just think we've got a lot more. We've got more depth at the guard position, and we've got a lot more potential, like we spoke. But you know, we've got a couple of guys who are coming into uh, their second year. We've got a rookie there as well. We've got um, a couple of veterans there. So you got you got the depth, um, but you got like, you know, you, you could potentially, like we've mentioned, have your old line there for the next four or five years comfortably. Um, so I think for me, I'm, I'm just mindful of the depth behind tackle. I think the, the quality tackles better, but the depth at guard allows for more. Movement for more rotation or for injuries, etc. Yeah, absolutely. They play such a, a big part in in the offensive line, as you know, to create those running lanes. For, hopefully, for Barkley, if not others, um, and along with Smiths, who, who you know, if he if he plays as advertised, is an absolute monster in the run game and will create lanes. He's going to need the guards to be able to make sure that they're not encroaching in on the inside because, you know, he's only got two hands, Smiths, and, and he can only block so much. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with Shane. I think we have depth there, but at the same time, it's, it's weird because the depth is stronger, but also it has a lot of unknown quantities to it. So um, by the end of training camp, it should obviously become a lot clearer on how that looks, but um you know all we want is 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 solid o-line play just solid i'll take that solid and consistent i think we'd all take that i think we'd all take that yeah obviously we'll talk about um our offensive tackles at more length next week week after or is it week after week after um but yeah i i agree like the this the quality of the sort of starters may not be as high potentially as the tackles, but like the depth is is definitely there. And I think I'd rather have depth, solid depth, than have one standout and then the others behind a lot, lot weaker. At least we have the like you said, we have the option of rotation um, to keep them fresh and not have to have them in there for eighty or ninety percent of the offensive snaps week in, week out because that's when you know when you're tired and when you're fatigued. That's when injuries can start to creep in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's definitely good to have that depth. That's for sure. All right, there you have it. That's uh that's our interior offensive line done and dusted. Let us know what you think. Who's going to get the start come week one at each position? Guard, uh, left guard, right guard, center. Uh, who's not going to be on the roster? Shane Lemieux. <clears throat> Anyone says um, Shane okay. start week one, you're going to get blocked. Um, I'm putting that out there straight off the bat. Like, you're getting blocked. Ooh. I mean, I, I second I, I second that. <laughs> I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Let us know. Give us your opinion. Um, what you think of, uh, of our interior offensive line. Whether you think it's good. Whether you think it needs improving. Um, and who you know, who you're looking forward to to potentially seeing develop and, and move into a, into a starting role. You know what depth pieces you think will play a bigger part in 2023. Let us know. Get in touch. Uh, now that is all we've got time for this week, Giants fans. Um, however, we will be back next week, same time, but different day, um, because we'll be live with you on Friday evening to uh, to crack open a beer or two and celebrate. As uh, as next week marks our one hundredth episode as a podcast, um, hundred episodes. Where where have the last ninety nine episodes gone, lads? Time flies when you have fun. 
certainly does. Certainly does. I think we started this, what, two years ago? And, you know, we're coming up to episode 100. And amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it's, 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 still, it's still a highlight of my week every week to do this. So, you know, to be 100 episodes deep is, uh, is a fantastic achievement, I think, for all of us. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to next week and having a, a bit of a celebration and kicking back and having a few beers on a Friday night. Um, anything else to add before we go, lads? Enjoy. Look forward to next week. It's good to be back. I feels like I've been on for a few weeks. Um, but, you know, wonderful episode to come back to. Talking about O-Line, I couldn't have asked for a better episode to return to. And I'm already excited to talk offensive tackles. But we won't just be talking offensive tackles, Shane. We'll be talking defensive tackles as well. But that come, that's in episode 101. That's in two weeks' time. Episode 101 or room 101? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. Hopefully, we won't be throwing anyone into room 101. I mean, our American followers might not even get that reference. So that's uh, that's one just for the Brits. That, um, yeah, it's been good fun. Google it's it. A, it's been, <laughs> it's <laughs> been a good laugh. Um, obviously, there are things planned for next week. Um, there's a lot of kind of you know, cogs still turning about whether we might be doing one thing or another thing. Um, there's a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, there could be a surprise. Uh, we don't know. One thing we do know for sure is that we will have um, an extend extended mailbag. Uh, and anybody who asks a question, and now bear in mind, this can't be, you know, this doesn't have to be just NFL related or just Giants related. It could be anything to do with NFL rules um, personal stuff, music tastes, anything like that. You know, we're we're quite happy to be to be open, and we want to celebrate the the one hundredth episode. So there will be a couple of merch giveaways um, to anybody who yeah. asks us a question. We'll probably even come up with a few questions ourselves that we haven't been able to kind of ask each other during um, any of the previous pods. Maybe something that that we've been sort of kind of thinking ourselves, and we'll put that open to to a forum. So. Just keep an eye on Twitter. Anything that does come up, we'll uh, we'll announce on there. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. We've got to love a bit of merch. Nice little merch giveaway because uh, it's all about it's all about interacting with our listeners and uh, and watchers. And you know, I'm looking forward to celebrating next week and having a just having a nice chilled Friday evening. So yeah, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled and you. Yeah, Keep your eyes peeled and uh, and keep an eye on our socials for uh, for more details about next Friday, as Craig said. Um, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, hit the latest, hit the bell to get the latest updates. Uh, follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Big UK and Ireland. Obviously, search that on YouTube as well. Get in touch with us so you are via socials, any of our social platforms, or via email as well. Big UK IRL at gmail dot com. Uh, we're also part of the Full Ten Yards Network. Um, check out the site, fulltownyards.co.uk forward slash giants. Don't forget we've got that meetup planned in week one. Week one in Birmingham uh, with the full 10 yards, guys. So it'd be great to see as many of you down there as possible. Um, and also, lastly, we are all part of the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page. So get on Facebook and give them a follow too. And they're also on Twitter as well. My thanks as ever go to Shane and to Craig for joining me and to you the listeners and the viewers for, for tuning in uh, we're signing off until next time